0: Yeah, yeah. Today we have Natalie Miano, who is a Spartan Pro Team member who is fresh, fresh-ish off of a podium finish at the only Spartan U.S. National Series race this year in Jacksonville. So we do a deep dive on how she has prepared herself to level up her performance. We talk about the mindset of the pros during COVID, and we talk about how to navigate the stages of injuries and how to create positive distractions since uh, Natalie has found herself in that those injury stages post Jacksonville. So it was a great conversation. She has a ton of positive energy and delivers an awesome message. So let's just dive right in. Natalie Miano. And we are on. Natalie Miano is here. What's going on, Natalie? How are you?
1: I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, Rich. I appreciate it.
0: Of course. Thanks for taking the time. So uh, I feel like you have a lot of great value to bring from like a mindset perspective and just your improvement as an athlete and uh, kind of how to juggle everything with being a mother. And I do want to touch on that, but first I have some random questions for you. We call it the rapport round. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, cool. So you are a basketball player, you're a hooper. So what is your biggest strength on the court?
1: Uh, Gosh, you know what? I was... Well, I say was because I'm not playing basketball much anymore. Um, but I was really, really well rounded. But I was probably agility fast, like super fast. Um, defensively, I was a monster. Like I used to play pickup games, and I was always the one guarding Diana Taurasi. Like I, this is I was legit. Like it was, it was my thing. Um, and I mean, I was a ball handler, point guard. Um, but when really awesome thing that I, I always look back to and think like gosh I should have used it way more but I was um really 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 strong left-handed like even though I'm a I'm a right hand right my off hand was super strong my dad and I developed it like when I was younger and I probably I did 500 left-handed shots a day that was like just that's how I finished like eight hours of training a day and um, so 500, like l- my, my dad always said, like, you know, you can develop the left and you would be so strong. Because, I mean, we know you can go right. We know you can shoot. You can do all this stuff. But my left was incredible. I'd be popping, like, you know, uh, like a foot behind the three-point line. Like, I'd be popping three-pointers left-handed. <laughs> it was like, He could guard me. Yeah. Wow. So um, that was cool. I mean, being 5'2 five, on a good day um I wasn't that was definitely like the the thing that um but that was working against me height you know um but I made up for it with that strong left hand because I mean you you know you can't it's hard to guard somebody make them go right make them go you know what are you gonna do so yeah make me go right I used to love that so
0: so so you would would they play you straight up then, or would you show them right to start and then go left? Or was there a strategy behind that? Or were you just like, was just like whatever no it was
1: all- It was like, it was straight up, like, you you choose, it's your choice. And it, they always chose, make, them go, make me go left. And it was like, so now I look back and I think, you know, I kind of feel like I was a little bit mentally... Um, I don't know, like I tried to instead of like letting the game come to me more, I think one of my weaknesses was like I would try to control how I thought the game should go. And I was like pressured in a lot of ways because I had a like my whole like my teams were very weak. My coaches were weak, like everything was just weak, weak, weak. And um I kind of felt like I was like, I don't want to look like I'm like shooting every shot. And now I look back and I'm like, I should have shot every shot. Like, why right. was the brawl not in my hands 24? Like, you know what I mean? Like the whole, whatever, like uh, the whole eight minutes of each quarter. It's like, I should have had the, like, you know, the, the guts to shoot left-handed more because then I think about it and I'm like, dude, I, I was, um, actually probably way more consistent left-handed um, and, but I always felt like people would like people in the stands, coaches, newspapers, whoever, like anybody who was like judging it would make me feel like I was like frivolous, I guess, because I'm be like, what is she doing? You know, just, just right. a left-handed running shot. It's like, you know, but I would, I would sink those like all day. And I used to, I used to stop myself from like shooting them because I would feel like nervous that people would say that I'm like, you know, I'm I'm like playing like a basket case or something. Like, look at her; she's just running all over the place and shooting left-handed. It's like, but now I think that what an idiot! You know, why did I think these things?
0: And like a, a really tough stigma that gets put on like the best players would be like a ball hog, right? Like oh that's yeah, something you just ball don't hog. Don't want right and like or right. selfish. It's like well, again, and people might see that as shooting left, and well, it's I, like oh, you shoot it, it left in the past.
1: It was like um, you know um. What do they, what do they say? God, why am I drawing a blank? Like, um, not a ball hog, you know, they, they say like a, um, a chuck? like a clown or something, you know, you're kind of like, I forgot, like, I don't know. But, you know, people will say like, you're, um, you know, just like people who do like tricks and stuff, because I used to do tricks too. Oh, so yeah. I, had, I already had that stigma that I was like the, the ball handler, or like the one that's like, you know um
0: globetrotter type stuff
1: yeah so i always felt like i was like i wanted to be so straight up i wanted to be so um uh refined as a basketball player but i really didn't have a refined style i had like the opposite of refined. Style. yeah so now i think back and i go gosh you know what i should have just been like rolling with it and shooting like left-handed all the time and not thinking i was so afraid people would call me you know call me out as being a, a ball hog or like a um a basket case <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. I totally get that. And and even like, you know, the NBA players, the WNBA players, the best players in the world, I'm sure they have this skill to do similar things and, and work on both hands and, and shoot with their right, shoot with their left. And they still don't, right? Like even like the they, they'll go that way, but pretty much everybody shoots one particular way. So I'm sure that was hard to like wrap your head around. It's like, well, like, can I do this? No one else in the world really does I mean, that.
1: I still did. I mean, I still would knock down a couple of like left-handed three-pointers like every game just because it, they'd push me left and i'd be like well fine you're pushing me left i'm shooting left-handed and i would get you know people would say things and it always bothered me and me you know, like you know i mean and then at the same time people would be like holy shit, she just it was crazy i didn't know it was cool too so
0: i can't imagine bad. as as a defender lining up against somebody and preparing to like come across my body to defend a shot and then they pull up a left. It would just be you wouldn't be able to respond yeah. in time ever from like a jump shot. That's that's pretty wild. Did you use that for as your advantage on defense too? Because a left-handed defender has an advantage from a right-handed shooter because they can just get their hand in, in place. Did you use both off hands on on defense too, or did you kind of come across as like straight typical? No,
1: I think I I think I was more like yeah like straight. So um probably not at all on defense. So
0: hmm. that's I, I interesting. Mean, yeah.
1: I was um, training back then. Like this is how I got into running. By the way, like I never thought. I didn't even know what cross country was. I actually thought cross country was lacrosse. So, and that's how much how much I knew about running. And um, nobody in my family runs or ever thought about running. It was just like not even a thing. I do recall as a kid, we would like drive to my grandma's house, and she lives actually close to where I live right now. But um, she used to live um, by Cal Poly, which is where I went to college. And we drive from Cal Poly to like cut across the freeway when there was traffic. And we would drive straight down to her house, which was like all horse trails. And I mean, as that was, that was the extent of trails, you know, that I had ever seen. And I used to look at them way before I was a runner and way before I ever even thought of running being a thing other than, Something somebody did to lose weight or something but right. I um, would look at those trails and like dream of running on them even though I never ran and didn't know what running was I'd just be like wow that would be so cool to just run on those trails just run that whole trail and it's so funny because I thought it was like something that was like that like, people can't do that though that's how like that's how much I was raised way out of the realm of what we do.
0: <laughs> but like to the standard person, they would, no one would ever think that. Right. And that's how most people are. They wouldn't even think about running on trails. They would probably even just not even consider that an option, like kind of how you were saying, it's like the majority yeah. of people.
1: No, I thought people were crazy. Like, so my, and I was like, uh, I was training, like I said, eight hours plus a day, except during school. And even during school is probably putting in like four or five a day, but um, the summer it was eight hours plus a day of, of training. We had a regiment, like we started at 6 a.m., we went six to nine, and th- there, was, there was different, um, you know, workouts we did from six to nine, and then, you know, probably went home, and got, you know, fed, and then came back to the gym at like 12 or one, and did like one to three was the weight room, and then like four to eight or four, you know, to seven was pickup gain, so that was my day. And um, the three hours in the morning, the first hour was plyometrics straight every single Mm day, like Monday, Friday, for sure, Saturday and Sunday. And I didn't miss a day of training over years. Like you can go, I can look at years and I literally did not take a day off for over 365 days each year. Like it would not even like Christmas, we did something, on Christmas, you know, so we were kind of like obsessive, but that's how like well trained I was. And so that's why I became such a defensive monster. And I think now you lose a lot of that stuff. I mean, I did plyometrics every single day. So for an hour, um, I was the kind of fitness I had back then. I don't even think, I mean, I couldn't even, I don't even know what that would feel like right now. It sounds like that would be amazing, but I I just don't have like the time to dedicate to something like that. And I mean, you get, you kind of like have to do that every day. If you want to train like that. I mean, it's that you, your body gets used to it. It's not like running where you have to like have, um, it's not like running where you have to have like, you have to build in deload periods or you have to, you, you know, you obviously have to, your training has to have uh, variation. So you can't just run 10 miles every day at six minute pace. I mean, obviously that would be like horrible training for running. Um, but in basketball, the way you train can be very much like that. Like I, like you said, you could do, I could do plyos and I could do like speed drills every single day. Um, so you get like, so used to it, Mark, you look naked right now.
0: <laughs> hey, naked Mark.
1: <laughs> so, uh oh yeah that's right the, the people listening can't see well mark just walked by and, he, he and it so he he's naked like <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh
0: anyway
1: um that's what i was doing i mean i was doing those that kind of training and the funniest thing is i i got we kind of connected with like one of the one of the i guess like guy a guy who was really like um collaborated a lot with like the local high school and we had like a championship cross country team. And, um, he, you know, was a local who was kind of like this a, a standout runner and he was like a little bit past his prime, but I mean, he was, he was, um, yeah, just still coaching. He was bringing kids up and, getting them ready for the high school team and our high school team was like state champions, like so many years in a row. And, and so he was, he was really like, um, the guy who was kind of like, I don't want to say recruiting, but he was, he was just working with young kids a lot. And he, you know, um, started working with me. I remember our first run, he took me out on a three mile run. I think it was. And I I had been doing like at least a mile on, you know, of here and there. So I, I was already like, okay, I can do a three mile run. So we did three miles. And I remember when we got back to like the community center where we started I lost it when he like to, when he like waved and said I'm gonna keep going see you later and I just was like you're kidding and this is a person who trains eight hours a day like I was I was working my butt off and I but I couldn't fathom running more than I just ran I was like what do you mean you're running more so how funny is that I mean it's just so so now I'm like you know
0: yeah, right, yeah, just 80 eighty five
1: miles in one day so yeah
0: <laughs> I know just what what is what is normal and and being able to kind of transition into that what was that like because I mean you obviously came from a background of training not necessarily for endurance but then when it came from kind of taking that focus and just like the understanding that it's the 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 effort over time that is mm-hmm. gonna get you the big results like was that pretty seamless for you to then kind of move it to endurance or was it was it like that like oh my god like 20 minutes is plenty for me and like then I or how did that kind of transition over into endurance
1: okay so the transition to like running endurance type running happened so fast I almost can't even recall like there being a transition like I just remember being like oh my god you're going out for more miles how you know and then maybe like a couple months later I was running eight miles with the cross-country team and I was like (laughs) you know so I don't think it would took that long I mean I was so fit that like honestly it probably was just a coordination and like mechanics thing like it was just like running getting coordinated and used to running like it was like right. you're not you know changing your stride a little bit to be like a little bit less um, of a like shortened you know like because I probably had I probably had more of a like more of a sprinter or like mixed distance, middle distance like you know running like tendencies i would say i wouldn't say that's like you my thing but i definitely would say like that's what i was used to because i spent eight hours a day in a basketball court when you're not doing uh you know a relaxed like distance stride on a basketball court so um,
0: right.
1: i would that's what i probably did um but anyway yeah i remember just jumping right in with a cross-country team by like you know my fresh you know Like from the time I ran with my, my trainer back then to the time I like ran cross country, I was already like running eight, eight, eight mile runs. Probably me. I don't know about longer than eight, maybe, maybe 10, but I doubt that. I mean, I think most of my long runs were like eight, but you know, I was good. I was consistent. So it was good.
0: And that's, that's a, that's a long run. Just, just getting things started. yeah, you're probably right. You probably just had to like slow down a little bit but like you're so so conditioned to like fast twitch over and over. Do you you feel like you respond well to speed work now or are you better with longer duration stuff? Because I found that sometimes if someone does, like they come from basketball or soccer or something, uh, they do better with 200s and 400s, even if it's for a longer distance event, than someone who might be just like this, your typical cross country runner who just needs to be out there with tempo runs and threshold stuff. Have you found that in yourself or do you just kind of try to mix it all in?
1: No, absolutely. Like my, with my training, there's definitely like, we, we look at like what, I guess, like what is the most effective like style of training for me. Uh, but then again, I mean, I'm choose the races I'm choosing to do probably aren't the most well suited for like my background or for my, my totally. ability. That doesn't matter. But like, definitely I respond different to training than someone like Mark. I mean, we're complete, almost completely opposite. Somewhere along the way, what do you think? Like, do you think my... Well, my, my oldest son right now, we can see, is, like, a phenomenal runner. I mean, the kid is is got the most gorgeous stride I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's amazing. But I wonder, like, how much of a mix has he got from mom and dad? Does he have, like, my anaerobic, you know, mom's anaerobic, like, mix? Or does he have dad's, like, endurance? Because <laughs> Mark is definitely, like way more slow twitch.
0: <laughs> right. And like if and if you guys and that, that is an interesting question, right? Because even if what if you guys like even shifted backgrounds like if Mark was the basketball player and you were like the distance runner both having like equal success say like would it still be the the, the same or like is the training what creates it or is it are you inherently that way? So that's an you interesting know, study it, with you.
1: Mark is like, "Oh my gosh, he's so great with kids." like and he's pretty well versed on like um development so like uh what comes like speed development and like you know your muscle fiber development and yeah. um all the um even like the um uh neural like you know he likes to know
0: it. how things work he like you can tell that Oh He's like
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, and, and he and he has a great history coaching kids but one of the things that he just like so he coaches our um youth team here now granted they've been off since March. So, yes, yeah, since March with the quarantine, of course, they there and that there's no end in sight, at least for now, at least where we live in Claremont, it's very liberal. And, um, uh, you know, like, just you
0: guys are locked down,
1: locked down. Yeah. So, um, I mean, definitely, like, California in general is like, not really, like, I don't know, I feel like life is still pretty normal. But definitely, those kids aren't going to meet so. Till- probably like next year, God, yeah. at least in this area, they're, they're really strict about it. They don't have any playgrounds open or anything. So I doubt the cross country team is going to able be able to meet, but he is the youth coach here. And, and the youth development is so much on pure speed and it has to do with their development at a young age. And it's funny because we probably come across more like we don't, the, the, the guy who started the team is a hundred percent, Mark is the coach I like. I'm so happy to have Mark as a coach. And most of the kids' parents or all of them are like, heck, yeah, like, we got this great coach. Let him do whatever he does. But nobody seems to be, like, everybody's in agreement because he says, let's do it. Let's do it. Nobody's, like, fighting him on it. But most people come to the table like, hey, why aren't these kids running, like, five miles? And Mark's like, no, these are kids. These are like eight, little kids. eight-year-old kids. It's like, right. this is that's not how you train an eight-year-old kid. Like an eight-year-old kid does speed, 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 speed. And like the distance really comes in just the vault, the volume, which is like really small. It comes mostly from like just the workout itself, like, you know, like as it adds up. Um But anyway, I mean, so I mean, these kids run... Anywhere from probably a mile and a half to maybe two, maybe two and a half on like a longer day. But most of what they do is pure speed, drills, I mean, drills, drills, drills. And that's how you that's how you develop those. And my son, if I had to say, does it come from just training or if it has, does it come genetically? He seems to genetically have diff you know what i mean like different abilities than like let's say dad so like
0: Mm. i don't want
1: to you know i mean he definitely looks more like mark when he runs and i mean he he looks like he's going to be a distance runner but he's got more speed than like i mean you know according to mark (laughs) than mark's ever had and that's just like right out of the gate like just the way he turns over um so I mean gen- that has to be Maybe genetic. I, I don't know about training because there's not been like a lot. We don't we don't really like train him yet. So right, you know, I like that.
0: I like that idea of like. The drills and like working on mechanics young, because that's what you know, working with adults trying to undo running form is like really difficult. <laughs> it's like really hard to un- unwire those things for people who weren't trained when they were younger and they just go out and run a mile in gym class. And like, this is just how I run. And now I'm trying to run a marathon. So I love that idea. And yeah, you can't just have like a hey, little do you, kid. Do you prescribe all drills? Sometimes, not and a ton. Are,
1: are you remote coaching? I am. Yeah. See, that's what Mark is doing too. And and I, um, you know, we have our business MTB racing and Mm -hmm. um, I help him with it. I'm, and I'm not really like, he's definitely way more the coach than I am. Um, I bring some to the table, but (laughs) but (laughs) he's definitely way more the coach. But one of the things that he's pretty big on is like drills strides. Um, and I mean, everything is like pretty basic, but it's pretty much like daily. And one of the things that I notice is that our athletes who are really adamant about following the prescribed workout where they're like i do my warm-up i do my drills in it we're not talking about like anything crazy we're talking about like five minutes it's like nothing right it's very 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 effective for like gait mechanics and coordination and uh building like power and turnover and things like that and um they, they there's probably a good portion of them who Probably don't do it and you can probably tell you know what i mean it's like it's hard to say because we're doing a lot of remote stuff but um i mean we're yeah. all mostly remote so
0: and, and that's kind of what i found with like prescribing drills and running form things it's that there needs to be a, a certain buy-in um on their end of, into what it's going to do and they want to make those changes um because if it's just like prescribed they're just going to be like well how far do I have to run and then it'll be like kind of an afterthought so I'll do my drills later and they just won't so like before I start just like like prescribing drills to people there needs to be that like conversation behind it from what I found from what I found because then it's just like oh you're doing drills like oh no I didn't know they were important it's like oh shit like um right right right.
1: yeah he definitely so much better when you can meet with them you know the athletes um you know, face to face, if you even get the chance. And that's been really helpful. At least at races, he's been able to do that where he like meets up with people. And that's where it like sinks in. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. But I know, just being in just being a mom now, or, or like working mom, this whole thing. It's like, you know, adding just, you know, five minutes here, five minutes here, plyos, drills, this, that, stretching, you know, foam rolling. Uh, it's like so much of that stuff gets like canned because you're like, uh, I have time for my run and the rest of the day.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so and the thing I with like,
1: totally get it.
0: and drills and mobility, you can't like, see or feel any immediate benefit you go for a run you know you did something like oh, you yeah. go to lift or something you're like okay cool like there's like this chemical change and what how As you felt and how I feel now yeah yeah you, you if you're like doing some form drills you're like this is boring I have stuff to do I have so much to do <laughs> I have right. so much stuff to but, go um, going on
1: yeah that's and it, there's there's a mindset divide so um there's that and that's something that's come up a lot during this quarantine like I feel like um I've I've heard people say it and i've noticed it and thought it so much wow guys does everyone take a look at the divide take a look at the you want to see the difference between the pros and like the age group this is the time to see it now i don't count because i'm injured so that doesn't count i'm like holding back right now so bad i'm dying but i can see it and i mean you can literally scroll through social media and see it's like like the the pros are are in it, and they have. They probably have had their share of mental breakdowns and very bad days because this is just such a um oh overused word here, but um, unprecedented. It is. Of, I yeah. was going to too. Yeah. I was like, this is you unprecedented. Know, <laughs> it's it's just out of the blue, and what the heck is happening? So that's very that's hard for anybody to deal with, and I'm sure even like financially and things like that. You know, depending on your situation, straps or, or professional athletes, I'm sure are. who's relying on racing, I'm mean, i sure it brings its own stresses, however, you want to just look at it from a training perspective, Um, dude, pro athletes are licking their chops over a year of just putting in base, monster base work, a year, you you want to give me a year of base work, I'll take it, but, um, and getting better, or improving, or finding somewhere where I can, you know, a year without racing, no problem, but, um You know, that's where you see the fall off in the competitive or age group or even, like, open wave people where it's, like, nope, I'm out. Like, they're just, like, eh, just time time off, I guess. I'm tired of this. Like, when races come back, I'll start training again. And that is, that's the divide right there. I'm, like, that's the difference between you and the pro. So, it's, like, you know, not, not, that's, that's definitely, like, you know, I'm just... Definitely oversimplifying it, but um, but it's it but you're
0: but you're right. It's like and and I'm curious as to what that comes from. If it, if it is just the understanding of training and just seeing improvement, you know, year after year, week after week, that you know that the that the pros have have made because they didn't start that way. You know, they didn't start on the podium. Like they got to where they are now over years and and months, weeks, years of work. And maybe the person who's just starting out hasn't necessarily seen that type of improvement yet. So they might not understand that. Yes. Like a year of just training is actually amazing. But like, what do you think it is? Like, what do you think that like separates the, the two different like mindset, like perspectives? Oh,
1: you know, I don't know. Um, and I mean, I hate, I I also think like busy working parents are in another you know exactly i mean that's different even this time now mark and i have both been injured so we've we've been dealing with quite a bit um he in terms of like training he so we've almost been like pushed to chill for a while which has been almost more frustrating than i mean than you would think it would be cool but it's like not it's been frustrating but um you know given the circumstances with the Way things are and the the virus and everything and the quarantine and whatever um we we have you know with the injuries we've we've also been like, you know maybe we should just take a step to back and really focus more on being parents and being athletes right now and I think so I think that came sort of naturally um so I definitely not not placing any judgment anywhere to any athletes who are like taking a break right now because if you need a break hey you know what how's the time to take it if you but but what I do think is where you see the motivation loss now why is that happening that I don't that I don't really know what's the difference between you know Nicole and you know the girl who got, you know, fourth in age group championship, like what's the, dime? And, you know, what's the difference? Um, you know, is why is Nicole or Lindsay or, and I mean, they're chilling right now too, and they're training, but they're still putting in work yeah. and um, Rebecca or whoever, you know what I mean? What's the difference? Like why, why are they so, you know, inclined to, maybe it's because they've done it before they say, or maybe it's because they have an understanding of the, the way that you know you develop aerobically right
0: for sure and there's like this process that comes along with training right and and the race the races are always the outcome right like and that's if you're training and you're doing things just to get to the race like then you're training more for the outcome where it's like how you're saying like great a year of training that's more time for this process and i'm i'm all in on on the process part of it um so so what's been going on with with the injury would you have would you have gone on because you had a, f- a phenomenal race, you know, coming podium in a national series race is amazing. And then yeah, talk right-
1: about highs and lows. Whoa, dude, whoa. It was just oh, it's I'm trying to be positive. I mean, I have to like remind myself to be positive like weekly at least. Um because it, I'm having a really hard time with it, but oh, wow, talk about highs and lows. I went from Jacksonville and I mean, I didn't even feel like I was like I definitely wasn't peaking for Jacksonville. Like it was, I was on my way up like you know and so feeling like I was just leveling up like becoming another athlete like I was just it was just you know what I mean I was there I'm I'm, I was like I have arrived like it is it's gonna happen this year and um I got third in Jacksonville and then I really don't think I had a great race um I mean there were a lot of like little little places inside the race especially in the first mile mile and a half where I um fell back quite a bit just like that that carry through the mud a lot of like you know little ankle breaking hole and yeah. in, in thick mud kind of took the wind out of my sails and we got we, I kind of got mixed up with some girls that were like behind earlier and so basically I was like huh, a mile and a half in I was sitting in like sixth or seventh and you know at that point that's when I that's when I was able to open up because the, the terrain sort of just like that's where the good running sort of started. And then it mm-hmm. was like, boom from there. It was just me and Lee and we were gone, um, which was cool. But, um, and then fighting, battling it out with Lee, what Leanne was awesome. Like we, you know, we had a, it was just cool. I was like, she's, she's amazing. So for me to even be in it with her um, is no joke. Like there's no faking that. So I was like, cool. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm um, definitely saw myself leveling up and I could see this year was going to be, you know, something special. Although, so can we, having. can we, uh,
0: can we talk about that a little bit? Cause that, that is something that I was interested in. It's like that, was it just a byproduct of the race itself? Or was it something that you had, you done different mindset shift? Like what, like, and it sounds like you obviously were ready, like in one capacity yeah. or another or physically or mentally. So like what led to you feeling that way going into that race? You're like, okay, I'm a different athlete this year. Like, let's go.
1: Well, I think yeah. like all of 2018, 2018 was a, a big building year for me it went into continuing healthy into 2019, so I, like, built my, myself up, and I, I sort of, you know, I mean, you do this in, like, different training blocks, so each block, I sort of, like, upped it a little bit, and I, and I was, I was um, getting better with each block, so, and, and healthy, no injuries, no reason to take any time off, so it was perfect, and I was kind of, had a great year in 2019 even though my series races and my my world championships was trash but you know even though those races sort of like fell apart for whatever reason it it was like I was you could tell based on my races that I was like um, that I was like coming up, you know, that I, I, I definitely, so it's not like it just popped out of nowhere in Jacksonville. So right. um, definitely I was competing at a higher level, um, competing with faster girls, like staying in it longer with, you know, the likes of, and I'm not saying I was anywhere near them, but, you know, with the likes of Nicole and, and you know, because we do, I, I do get the chance to race Nicole a lot more because um, she comes out to like the local races out here. So, um, so you know, just comparing myself to her because that, that was a good, one for me to say like how close was I to Nicole in twenty seventeen, how close was I to Nicole in twenty eighteen. And this is like well, while she's improving as well. Um and you know, to see like in twenty nineteen, she's like, okay, now you're you know, even she would tell me like, yeah, you're like up there with me for like a lot of the race. You know, or you know, like a like you're it's not surprised to see you. Right, yeah, you're definitely harder to beat now than you were like a year ago. So, you know, so there's that. So I get to since I get to race her more, that's a good like, you know, um uh um, I guess like area to look at, like I was like, okay, how was I compared to these people? <laughs> Obstacle racing is not like road running or track running where you can like compare your times, like for, from right. one to another. So you do want to look at where you are versus competition, because then you can say like the more, especially if it's somebody you race frequently, then you can say like, well, how close was I to them there? Did I compete with them? You know what I mean? So um, that's kind of why I say that. Anywho, um, I was really coming up and my training was super consistent um, I it, another mindset. The mindset had shifted in 2018, so it's not like the mindset uh, the mindset shifted in Jacksonville. It, mm-hmm. it was a long time coming. Um, I was always, to be completely honest, in 2019, I could have been a podium contender or a top five contender in a series race. You know what I mean? Um, and that not be uh, not be out of the question. Mm -hmm. um it would have had to all like you know i everything would have had to favor me in the race but it wouldn't be out of the question so i don't think um that jacksonville was like you know like
0: an anomaly it wasn't something
1: like that um i in fact I, i actually given the field i expected to be in the hunt for a podium so that wasn't like i mean i think um Matt Davis asked me like, uh, interviewed me the day before, like, Oh, do you think, uh, so Miriam's here? Do you think you could beat her? And I was like, yeah. And he looked at me like, ha ha, ha that's funny. And I was like, Oh God, this is so embarrassing. Uh, but how do you ask anyone? Do you think you can beat her? Well, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like, what kind of question is that? It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, here to compete. I'm
1: going
0: like, to stay home
1: like, telling myself like, Oh, you're suck. Why are you even here? <laughs> so, um, yeah. And, and, and again, the sprint, uh, back to my, you know, my, uh, natural abilities what favors me my um definitely my my type of racing would be that distance like that anywhere from like you know two miles to to 5k 10k maybe max for for a spartan race is way better for me than a 7 8 10 12 mile race so the longer you know the less it is in my favor so short race
0: you know yeah and just like the idea that you went in and realistically you're like no like if everything goes well like this is where I should be not even just like a pipe dream you know because I think there are there are those athletes and you know I've definitely been that before it's like I like trying to just will yourself into just a good performance and it just doesn't work that way you know but there is
1: there is like you know there and that's funny we talking about that that's so right and that's something I think people don't recognize that in training like you know there's like a self-efficacy like you know, um component and you need to know you can do something for your mind to be like, yeah, I can do that. You can't just say look in the mirror and say some cool quote Mm. to make you think like I can do it. Um that doesn't work. That's not makes you feel good, but it does not
0: work. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So so uh training, um racing, those are you know, those help the the part of your brain that says like I've done this before. This is nothing new. And uh do it again, you know. So so definitely in training, you need to, you know, I mean you there's variability in the training, there's a plan, there's um there is stimulus to achieve with each session and with each programmed, you know, um workout, but there is um that component where you need to uh hurt, you know, you need the pain cave, whatever you wanna call it, like you need to go there. <laughs>
0: And is around? that something yeah, because I think of it in terms of like trust, right? And like trusting that you can accomplish what you set out to do, whether that is get on the podium or or run a certain time or or compete a certain uh, course. So in training on your end, like is there something that you need to see from yourself or or experience? Is it just getting to a point of of the pain cave and continuing to go that you can go into a race and be like, okay, I, I know I can keep going when it when it's down or is it just kind of the culmination of, of all of the training over the course of however long that that makes you feel ready?
1: I think that it's definitely a combination of of both of those. I mean, there has to be, but I suppose for some racers that they are more um, race like oriented. They're more race, um, you know. I mean, do they just ha- they can click over and they can just go to another another take it to another. Um, yeah. level in a race. I don't know if you've seen that. I mean, you know, you see that with athletes all the time. And then you have your athletes who,, um, you know, and then you and then you have people, and I probably am the people like probably am more the athlete who wastes more in training than I do in racing, not as much this last few years because they have a coach and because I have a program, and because I'm watched over and I'm not like, You know, uh, Mark has a saying because because he he's pretty he's a little bit more loose as a coach, I think, than um, I don't I don't know who I wouldn't point the finger at another coach. But then let's just say other coaches who focus on who who really control control. each and every workout, Mark does control a lot of the training, and he does. He we do everything for me on effort base. So mm. um, it, I do look at my heart rate, and I do have all that information, and we do track it and we look at it. But we use it for other things. It's not very accurate for me. Uh, for one, probably the watch is accurate But second, uh, my heart rate in general has like a a little jump. So none of the heart rates ever come out right. So, um, I mean, and you can see it, it's so ridiculous. Like the numbers that I get that it's like, you might as well throw in the trash, but anyway, it's all effort-based and, but he does have a saying where he says, let wild horses run wild. And there's just this one thing where like, if you look back to young athletes, like if you look back to the time when I was running cross country, like I would have never leveled up if I wasn't just the wild horse that was like, well, I'm going to run with, you know, our state championship boys team. And I was never even a runner and I was just like, well, they're running up there. I'm gonna run up there too. Mm-hmm. I can and, do I, that. Yeah. and that helped me. Yes, it wasn't the way to train every single day because I was probably running in the gray zone too much or whatever, but there there is a point where you have to like, well, I I to be frank, like get some balls and train hard and put something out there in training. Just see what you're made of. Um, so how many, you know, how many people out there are running, I mean you, you can see it's really, really like, you know, neat to see athletes come in who are like, Oh, I've, um, and you know, with, with Mark, start working with Mark who, who have, who can run like 10 30 minute miles consistently over like an eight mile run. Let's just say, and they're like, Oh, I run like, you know, you're running, like, let's just say 10 30 minute miles. And then they do like a tempo run and it's like 10 5 pace. So now it's like, no, we need to, like, develop so much speed coordination and all this stuff, and they start to develop this stuff and start, you know, I mean, maybe one day they hit, like, a 730-minute mile on the track. I mean, I mean, it might be something like a one-and-done, like a mile or a two-mile time trial, but, wow, like, you had a seven-minute mile in you, and that means you probably could hold 830 pace for a while. You know, it's right. like... So it's kind of funny because it's like, if you if you never try to hit if you're always doing these like long runs let's say eight miles or six miles or whatever 12 miles and you're just doing wrong slow long slow long slow long slow it's like you know you're never gonna see like and, and I'm, I'm really saying this for like runner people who've gotten into sport in their in their like adult years you know so like mm-hmm. someone who never ran before and they're like you know, 40 or 36 or 45. And they're like, I just came out for to try running. And I like it, you know, so that's just like, kind of more what I'm talking about. But it's like, when you're young, you know, you're pushed into the situation, if you're on like a team in college or in high school, where you're well pushed, because you've got a group to stay with. And you're like, Oh, got to run with the group, you know, so it's it's, it's
0: and there's competition there, right? Like it's just oh, yeah. part of it, but when you're just coming you're, into it, you might not
1: growing from that is all I'm saying. I'm not saying it's the way to train, but I'm saying there is some growth in that. So don't, you know,
0: a hundred percent, hundred percent, like being able to kind of push into that unknown and then just sustain it. Even if it is for a mile, like I, I a coach woman who almost had the identical experience that you were saying, like she would get like too far into something and be like, Oh, I'm uncomfortable. I got to bail or like, and then keep it really slow and, but she just like popped off an awesome mile and just opened up all these doors it's like you're getting it right like you're figuring yeah. out like where where you can go and what 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 you can push into so um, is there are there things designed in your training that help you put that into into yourself like or or do you kind of have to pull yourself back because and also just to kind of double back a little bit more about the the watch thing um. I love that you mentioned that because it people can be an absolute slave to the watch. They can just yeah. like, oh, if my heart rate's not this. Oh, my pace says this. Or even if it's just like the workout from like training peaks didn't sink to my watch, right? My whole workout screwed up. or like, it's not that complicated where it's like, okay, go out and run and make it feel hard and then just keep going. <laughs> so, is that yeah. like a lot of what Here's it is for it- you?
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a standout uh, college runner who runs here in our... Actually, it's like right next to my house. And um, he's like a 13 high 5K runner. I mean, he's really, really good. Runs with Timex. No GPS. He's like so old-fashioned. Nice. I think he's like, because he's like that age. What generation is that? Like, Mark, what is that generation? Um, the next, he's college age. So he's
0: generation. Like, Gen Z? Yeah. Uh, Gen okay, Z. whatever. I think
1: Gen They're Z. like going through this whole thing where they're like oh it's cool to yeah. you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's, you know what i mean so so he's yeah. probably in that mix of like <laughs> the kids who listen to like 80s music and use timex watches but anyway but he used they to do the opposite like, of us
0: because it's what we do does is not, not
1: cool. buy yeah. into the whole gps thing doesn't want to see his heart rate he's a, like he's a 13 minute 5k guy so shoot man
0: Right, right. Awesome, it doesn't. Right? It doesn't change anything. It's just like a, what the he's got
1: says. a what is that a metronome? Like he's got a clock inside his head, and he's like he's he's on it, dude. Um, pretty cool. But I I think um, there's um, there's a lot of variability in the, the, the watch. Um, you know, picking up the heart rate unless you have like a really reliable strap. Uh, those the garments, I just don't see it. I'm sorry, but I just I agree. don't. I I think the variability is um is too too much and there's there's weird little things that it picks up i i have i've seen it tell me that like the easiest easiest run i've done is like all all of a sudden my heart rate's like 170 something and i'm like well that's not right i'm like not even breathing and then um Another time, it's told me, you know, that my heart rate's like 135, and I'm like doing a, you know, all-out mile or tempo run. Yeah, I'm just joking. Yeah. But, you know, it's super goofy sometimes when I get the numbers I get from it. So and it's it just not. Me, I see it with other people too.
0: No, no, I, I have similar experiences. Like, yeah, one time I was warming up to do like a threshold workout, and my heart rate during my warm up was like 20 beats higher than my heart rate during the actual threshold repeats. I was like okay, that might not be right. But like it's the text just not there and like being and just trying to follow it so much and it something that is not quite a finished product yet. It just, it's helpful for some things, but I agree with you. I don't think it's- I do like
1: it for looking at like, kind of looking at like when your heart rate is sort of like higher in the morning or something like that. So mm -hmm. like things like that where you can start to, you can maybe get a, a, a lead or a head up on- um, potential overtraining or potential fatigue, onset of fatigue, and you can back off or you can, you know, you know what I mean? So there's just, there, it's kind of useful for that. One of the coaches here, Cal Poly, I don't know, it wasn't Cal Poly. One of my girlfriends is like a really fast, uh, 5k runner too. She, um, she was telling me her coach used it just for, like pre and post workout, they wouldn't even use it in the workout. But that's how they gauged. Are these girls healthy enough right now to run? And I loved it because there was he promoted from what she said It the way he promoted it was more uh, in balance and healthy. And are you eating well? And are you sleeping well? And are you menstruating and what's your cycle like? And how can we do your workouts around your cycle? What a great coach for, you know, young 20 something or 18 to 20 something year old women because that is just such a weird time and for college runners it's like such a it could be such a detriment to like your future you know longevity of your you know your ability to run you know because you get injuries that are like you know are long term or um so detrimental and eating disorders and things like that. And I mean, dude, you really need, if you're a coach, you need to keep an eye like, this is a bit, this is your life. Like you to keep, take care of these girls. <laughs> so I, know. I really thought that was a great way to to incorporate the, mm. the heart rate.
0: Right. There's definitely a place for them. And that, that, that's interesting to, to mention those things, because a lot of times the coaches are very, you know, science-based, right? They're like, okay, this, like what, what, what turns out what they saw in the lab was this and this, but it, almost all studies are done on like college aged boys and never really, uh, anything directly toward women. So it's good to have those type of things in place to really help with, the, with the thing, like the way the hormones work throughout the cycle and making sure they're eating enough. God. Cause that's, you're right. Like people have these terrible injuries and they blame it on running when it's really like they haven't done all the things that they needed to yeah. do to make sure that they're healthy enough to keep, keep things going. But yeah, I mean, but spe-
1: Okay, oh, I was gonna say. Speaking of my injury, were you gonna say
0: that? <laughs> I was just gonna say that. I'm like because speaking said, of injuries, yeah. You know,
1: I have a typical overuse injury, and I and I go to the doctors, and they just look at me like, "Yep, yep, seventy miles a week. That's it. That's what I did it." And I'm like, "Okay, well, no." You know, I know mean, right. I probably sound like I'm just this hard headed athlete, but. I've got a situation where that is exactly happening. mean, I think about these girls who go in and they maybe have eating disorders. They haven't slept well, they're stressed out, they're not sleeping, whatever it is. And it's like, you know, oh, you run, you run every day. Oh, that's why you're injured. Um, so not looking at the big picture of things. So for me, the big picture, I've done nothing to do with eating because I eat a lot and you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of food, so I'm not going to say that's a problem, but I did have now after Jacksonville, I had scheduled a, um, skin cancer removal and I actually had a matching on both ankles. Don't ask me how, I guess, coincidental, but, um, I had a insight to squamous cell carcinoma on both ankles. Hmm. So almost in the same spot. So and I knew it was a tough place. It's like right on the ankle where, you know, the flexion happens, like dorsiflexion or plantar flexion of your ankle. So it's right in that crease. Right. And I knew it was a tough spot and I was back and forth back in, you know, late uh, 2019 I was like do I get it removed do I because I did have it like biopsied and it in the biopsy They said margins clear. So I thought well, you know I was told without seeing a dermatologist because Kaiser my insurance company is like, oh backwards apparently or whatever dumb (laughs) (laughs) Without seeing a dermatologist I'm just talking to like a nurse on the phone and they're trying to lay it out for me my options Which are like get an excision and make sure it's gone and i try to do my own research and see in situ could it's, it is on the surface but it could have like branched out or it could have sort of gone further in and or you could do like a topical treatment which you you really don't know if it's working but you you can kind of monitor it you and wait if it you're out, not consistent yeah. with it then so i'm here super unfamiliar with this and i think to myself well be safe better be safe than sorry let's get the excisions and I tried to schedule it around my racing schedule. So, of course, I have Jacksonville. And then after Jacksonville, I scheduled, like, that week. So I finished Jacksonville, got home, and that Wednesday I was in the um, surgery, surgery and got the excisions done. The excisions give me stitches and tell me, now this is after I just got third place at Jacksonville, so I'm rocking and rolling and think I'm having the season, going to have the best season I've ever had. Um, I do not want to hear you can't train right now. so the doctor tells me, well, you're not supposed to train for two weeks. So, but he's, but if you feel good running later, like not now, but you know, maybe kind of, kind of put it out there, like in a week or so, if you feel good to run, that's fine. As long as you don't feel anything in the stitches, like if you don't feel any pain or you don't feel pulling, you're fine. So sure enough, I run and, um, You know after a few days of resting it and I felt great like my stitches healed beautifully There was no now doctors now are telling me well You probably ran and messed up the stitches, but I think it was just that they were in too long so after two weeks they were in and they should have been out, but they got infected so Now I have a huge infection in my ankles both of them are like softballs and I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh my god So I go basically to urgent care I get the stitches out and I get antibiotics and the antibiotics worked pretty quick to take The swelling pretty much down and I think I started running maybe before all the swelling was gone, but I wasn't feeling any discomfort So here we are with my run back to running too soon, but um I go and do running and then within like um, a week. I have this like, you know um, I have this well at the time. I didn't know but you know tears in my uh, Posterior tibial tendon. So the tendon that runs alongside the medial malleolus of your ankle bone so um, yeah and It was really out of nowhere. I mean, it's less than, or it's probably about an inch from the stitches, the side of the stitches, the side of the infection. Um, So there's all kinds of, oh, like, you know, it's not reaching. There's all kinds of speculation of what, where the infection could have caused. My MRI shows, you know, tenosinivitis through the flexor tendons, through the joint, all around that all around that scar area so there's scar tissue there's and the scar was horrible after an infection the scar tissue is all bundled up around my ankle I mean you could feel it like it was like a big huge thick bundle of tissue tight painful tissue a month Hmm. and a half after the surgery so I mean did that cause the injury well yeah that caused the injury right (laughs) I've been running on it probably not but I it was definitely not an overuse injury the problem I have is that I go in the, to see doctors and they're just like, well, you know, it's oh, basically it's like, yeah, you ran 70 miles a week. So, yeah, you're injured because you were running. And I'm like, no fallen arches. I have the injury of posterior tibial tendon dysfunction, which is like flat feet, no arch, you know, and I, my arches are fine. And even the doctors that looked at them, well, you do have arches. You're fine there. So it's just been a really tough injury to deal with. But what I'm learning And there's always a takeaway. I feel like there's going to be lots of takeaways here. um, And maybe more later, you know, more to come on this because I'm still in the middle of it. But um, respect the stages of injuries. That's Mm. one thing I don't think. And I think you need to identify as an athlete because we're anybody, any one of us who gets hurt. I mean, we're researching it so much that like we become, you know, like pseudo experts on that. Right. (laughs) You know, so, it's not like I don't know what I'm talking about now that I've looked up every single possible thing that could have been going on here. But the thing is, is that there are stages of different and different injuries have different stages. And one thing I've never had and really Mark's never dealt with too much is like a tendon tear or injury to a soft tissue tendon. Um, and, and initially I really went hard into rehab and physio for the injury, for building the arch, for strengthening that tendon. And perhaps it was too soon to strengthen a tendon that was like freshly torn. So wow. um, so that's probably mistakes, mistake, mistakes I made. And, and running on it every time it sort of – so I'd go two weeks off, feel pretty good, start to run, think that I was maybe initiating some healing to it because, you know, they say, especially now, this is more new – like new thought but it's like if you do have an injury as you're towards healing you want to promote blood flow to the area by giving it just a teensy bit of attention you know so a little bit of pain or a little bit of you know um having that little like pain is okay and because i would be running and be like i'm on two on the pain scale you know i didn't think i was doing anything wrong so um so yeah, that's my takeaway is really, really, sometimes there's some injuries that you do need to stay the F off of. And this was one of them. <laughs> so.
0: And one, one post that you actually made uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago was about, you know, having a plan and, and just kind of having this like habitual nature to, to stay after it. Right. And like, now that you kind of have gone through this injury process and, you know, you want to respect those stages, but when you're still in like the training, it's, it's hard. Right, it's like, well, if I take a day off, like, what happens the next day and the next day? So it's like you almost just want to keep like pressing through and just hope nothing happens. So, like, what kind of like reminders would you give people or give to yourself, even like if you're coming across something like this down the road where it's like just like it's I need to say off of this.
1: Yeah, and my situation has been so tough because even the cross training you know, things I can do. So biking, swimming have been, um, hurting the injury. So progressing it. So biking, um, the days I would say I'd wake up on a Monday morning and be like, that's it, man, I'm going after it and I can't run. That's fine, but I can do it in other ways. I can hit the weight room. I can bike. I can do whatever. Apparently I did too much. So whatever it was I did, whether it was bike for, you know, 90 minutes or two hours of a, uh, and pushed hard because I'm not going to go easy on the bike. I'm going to go hard on the bike. And then <laughs> um, I, even then I still felt like I didn't get a workout. But I uh, would, you know, hit like the weight room and I was trying to do stuff that what, wouldn't put impact on my foot. But because my because that tendon is the one that basically holds you up when you stand, it's like. It was being overworked just by standing and just by doing you know two-legged squats or standing whatever workouts I was doing so now and here I am um, I've changed so this isn't really answering your question but I'm just sort of still telling the story but recently what I've done is i have taken it another step and I've gone I went in uh, to well, like almost two weeks ago and got a PRP injection to the tendon into the joint into the, all the area of the flexor tendons and all that so I got PRP done and uh, part of the PRP process is like, it, yes, you recover quite quickly from the, the injection. But it, the idea is that like the first two, it doesn't even really start working apparently until like three to six weeks. So you won't even notice a difference. If anything, you might even have like more pain in the first week or so, uh, which is what I've experienced. It's been like the same if a, if a hair more pain. But um, the idea is that what they do is, and uh, for anybody who doesn't know what PRP is, it's like they just draw your blood and they take that blood and they put it into like a centrifuge and they separate the you know the the um um white blood cells, the red blood cells and other material and um or matter I should say not material, other matter and all that's left is like the platelet rich plasma or mm. what's left is that and they take that and they inject it into your injury site. To promote healing and blood flows, these are like the the healing. This is this is the good shit, I guess, if you want to call it from your blood. Yeah.
0: Give <laughs> that shit. Give me that yeah. good shit. That's what I want. Yeah, right?
1: <laughs> so they put it into you, and uh, and it takes like it needs to like attach. It needs to like it's, like set. So that first week and two weeks really has been completely off of it. Um, so the first three days was like off, off, like I was sitting on the couch all day and, and I probably screwed that up a little bit, but after that, it goes into the next phase, which is like two weeks of not like super easy. You know, if you're going to exercise at all, it has to be like no resistance biking. So my workouts (laughs) this past two weeks have been upper body sitting only. So no standing on upper body. For, for my workouts. I stand to walk around and stuff and like cook and stuff, but I don't stand for workouts. And like anything you can do in the upper body where you're like not standing on it. So pull ups, push ups, whatever, all that stuff all that stuff. Um and sitting. So sitting down with weights and stuff. And then my my aerobic, I say with quotes, <laughs> aerobic activity has been following Mark on his run. So I'm biking flat because he's been running just flat and um just biking next to him which is like spinning so it's like no resistance at all and nice. um no it's not training so it's so to answer your question so as i'm telling my story of to answer your question wow it's been hard like nothing feels like training to me like nothing is remotely hard and it's like driving me nuts. Like, I'm like, I don't sweat. I feel like my hair is greasy. I feel like it's like nothing feels normal. I don't sleep good at night. I just want to train. Like, I want to go balls out in a session on something. I don't care what it is, but I can't do it on a bike and I can't do it in a pool because that even hurts the tendon. And mm. I'm just like, I've got nothing guys. Like, I'm sorry, but unless, you know, I don't know. So I'm dying here, but, um, that, that is like, you know, um, been hard for me so for me right now it's been a struggle to you know to sort of cope with the I don't want to say on any more uncertainty because I feel like it's I don't feel as uncertain about everything with the COVID stuff as I did before but um but just still the blandness of like what's going on around us like no races no entertainment no this no that no playgrounds no you know it's just one thing i just i told mark this morning i just want to stand on top of a mountain like i just want to see what it feels like i just want to feel it again i'm sorry but i just like i need it i want to be on top of a hill and i want to look down and be like i just climbed this or biked it or did something but i can't and um and it's driving me insane um and it's hard because you know, I guess, like, when I look at other pro athletes, they, they, they have sort of, like, um, it's, like, how they overcome the, the, you know, challenges of the injury or whatever, um, like, Lindsay biked for a whole month prior to the world championship and came out and got second at Tahoe, Um, and it's, like, she's, like, you know, well, she probably put in, like, you know, God knows how much on the bike. What, ton of probably, volume. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I was going to say on an easy day, 90 minutes on a regular day to match what she was doing in her training room. She was probably putting in three plus hours on the bike, you know, probably doing fart and stuff. And I'm like, I can't even like, I'm not even supposed to like ride the bike hard because it's irritating. It's progressing the injury. You know, I go, how am I supposed to do anything? So there's like this little voice that kind of comes into my head every once in a while it's once in a while, but, and it's, it's sort of like, I can't control it. It just pops in that says, well, you're 36. Are you Damn. ever going to be good again? Like, is this going to heal? Uh, if it doesn't heal, are you going to be running in pain if you're running in pain or if you're back and forth on it? Are you ever going to get to like, you know, the kind of training that got you to third at Jacksonville? No. You know, are you ever going to be able to get it back? Is that fitness going to return? You know, there's the this, this horrible. Now I have Mark. The good thing is I have Mark and he's, you know, he talks the science to me. He tells me what's going on in my body, uh, how I'll adjust back when I do start training again, how I've built my VO two max, how I've developed over the course of two years and what that means for when I come back, how I come back from that. Mm-hmm. And that's really great to hear. So I'm really, really glad I have Mark. Cause if I didn't, I would probably be crazy. <laughs>
0: So like, so, yeah, you're like square in the middle of the process of the, of the injury, right? Like, cause th- that, that, that's such a frustrating place to be. I've been there before where it's like, am I ever going to be able to run again? And like yeah. every, every person you every, see out running, you like, i popped
1: oh. talked to says that. So I'm, I'm like, okay, good. This is not, an, you know, this is a normal thing that pops into your head. as. You know.
0: But when you're there, you, you're, you can't help but to believe it and you can't help but to think it right. You're like, cause like I can think back now and think of what I thought then and be like, oh yeah, now I'm fine. But, like, when you're in it, you are literally thinking, like, I might never be okay. (laughs) Like, I might have to stop running. So, that's a really, really tough place to be. And, like, there's, like, there are chemical changes that happen when you go on, like, a hard run and, like, come back. And, like, you just feel different. And, like, not having that, I I, I couldn't imagine. So, like, we're so how so it sounds like the support system that you have around you with um the family and mark has been really helpful in that and um what do you kind of see it just kind of just being patient or like how, are you learning lessons along the way or how what kind of things are you going to plan on going forward
1: yeah i mean i'm learning lessons and i'm very hopeful that the prp is going to be effective um, i'm getting PRP. Did, that just, did PRP. that just happen yeah i did two weeks ago so i'm at the two-week mark and um I, am also doing acupuncture at the same time, which is supposed to be a good, um, they're supposed to be good together. And, um, so I'm, I'm doing something new and and trying that and, and I'm being really, really good about following the protocol. And I, I have all intention to follow it all the way through, um, to really heal it. So hopefully it works for me. And if it doesn't, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll visit it later. But, um, right now I did, I do, I did need, and this like, you know, a couple months ago this sort of started, but I did, I do need like something to distract me a little bit because i can't just think like I, I i wake up in the morning every single day with a plan like that's how i that's how i operate that's why i got third in jacksonville that's that was like it that's what happens is when you're not yeah yeah and it's it's hard to have program to program off time <laughs> it's like, and you know and so that's where i'm at but um but I I had to have distractions and um and that's great. Distractions are awesome. Um For one, I'm still I'm like first and foremost, I'm a mom. So before I'm an athlete, I'm a mom first. So I have a wonderful life. I have a wonderful husband. I have great, phenomenal kids and working with them every day and playing with them and just engaging with them is that taking up all my time is perfectly awesome. So um thank God for that. And I also have taken on some other things like and it has a lot to do with the kids. Um, But my boys are super into like marine science, marine life, like ocean, you know, sharks, everything. So they're really, really, really into they've been into it for years. So it's something that Mark and I have like talked about developing more. We just we see their passion. We see they have an interest or their interest and we want it to be a passion. So we're we're we want to do the things, um, see the things, take them everywhere, learn about things, read the books, do all the stuff to make that, you know, a reality for them or to make to foster, you know, growth and interest and passion in that, you know. In that thing so we are becoming like ocean people now so um, <laughs> we talked about. I thought it was a long-term thing I actually thought that when we started to talk about it I thought because Mark and I were like sort of putting away for potentially buying a house but we live in Southern California and buying houses here is stupid yeah. so at the same time we were kind of going like well this is dumb like this isn't this isn't you know a good like I don't see us ever buying a house here um, to be honest to be frank, like a six hundred and fifty thousand dollars house is like the cheapest we could possibly get a house in the neighborhood we we want to live where they go to school, and that'd be like a dump. And I told Mark I don't even want to pay over three or three fifty for anything. So like that's never going to happen. It Doesn't matter how much the market falls, it, it's never going to be three fifty. So I'm never going to buy a house here. So um, we kind of were like, well, let's shift our perspective here and maybe think towards the future for the boys. And yeah, that's when like we started talking about like doing more like ocean exploration and diving. And um, we actually were like, I was like, dude, we should eventually invest in like a boat. And so we started looking into like sailing because we both we don't want to do like anything that that's like gas powered because we were like, that seems like the that's like the the weak way to go but we're athletes so we're like we want that the hard way to go we like the idea nice. of it being we like the idea of it being slow and we like the idea of it being work and yeah. like a, a talent like something you have to be um like able to do so so we were like that's cool That's like it's a sport you know sailing's a sport so that's our new sport we've been so we ended up and I thought this was going to be something years down the line I thought it was going to be like Yeah. I mean, what's the likely I figured it'd be so expensive to get in on sailing that, you know, we would never we wouldn't be doing it for at least like five years, maybe when the boys are teenagers, maybe when they're in college. I don't know. But I started looking into it because I'm injured and I have nothing else to know. Uh, And we ended up buying like a share of a boat with like four other people. And um, so we have a 30 foot sailboat now. Nice. And we are, and you know, where we, so it's like about 45 minutes from our house um, where it's um, docked at. And we can go down there, we can take it sailing. Like just along the California, like, you know, Southern California coast is like awesome. You can just stay really in the harbor and get to some really awesome like towns or beach, beach cities. And also we have Catalina Island, which is only like 20 miles away from us. So it's like a four hour sail to Catalina Island. So, um, and that's like trail city. There's trails all over miles. I mean, they have ultras there. There's miles and miles of gorgeous trails. Um, Hmm. and it's like unspoiled California, like really, really neat place. So we were like, dude, we're just going to be like living in Catalina like half the time. So
0: just get a tent, got a sailboat, got a tent, and is not
1: yeah, well, there the like boat a It has like a like it's a like, a cabin, so of kind of a a motor you of there little bit of We'll See? actually be doing our first overnighter on it in two and a half weeks, I think. So in two and a half weeks, we'll be going to Catalina for four days, and we'll sleep on the boat, and yeah,
0: that's gonna be a that's going a a and isn't there, what's the learning curve like for sailing? Isn't there a bunch of jargon? I've never been. I don't know anything. Yes,
1: about. It's all jargon. That's the it whole is. thing. If you learn <laughs> jargon, you can learn how to it. That's
0: all. It's like just learning <laughs> a different it? language.
1: It's, just, it's like another, like, yeah, it's just terms. It's like memorize the terms and you're good. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's terms like, why don't you say it normal? And knots. Terms and knots. Like learn how to tie knots. Dots.
0: Yeah, right, right, right. Um,
1: and yeah, we're getting good at those. And then, like, yeah I mean it's so our deal was awesome like honestly it just fell into our lap and I feel like it was like such a godsend um because I mean honestly I've, I'm I'm pretty sure this would be a very expensive endeavor had it not just happened for us like this but we did this boat share the guy who does the like buys the boat and like does the organizes the share he's just like a retired teacher from like LAUSD and he's like awesome super cool guy um athletic like you know just kind of a cool neat like I don't know well-traveled kind of guy like he's just like kind of interesting person you know and doesn't have a ton going on right now and he's just like I will train you for free because I want you to be good sailors like I want you to know how to use the boat I just sold you so um yeah and it's almost for him it's like I think it's like, oh, good. We get to go sailing. Like he's so excited to do it that he's he's taking us out and giving us like free lessons. So basically we have all our lessons for free, which Sweet. is well over like for, we it over two thousand dollars of lessons. And we're getting it all for free. Nice. Um, and then the share in the boat was not expensive. And then since we're sharing it between four people, our slip fees, our monthly fees, insurance, and all that are really, really cheap. So it's less than the cost of doing the sailboat with the monthly fees and all is less than we spent on our gym membership. So, oh, wow. Uh, yeah.
0: Because so you that figured that. Good. That would be something like that was one of my first questions is that, like, oh, man, like not even just the, the cost yeah, of like the boat and like the lessons, but I'm sure you end up getting other stuff like there's probably just like gear associated with it. But if it's all kind of shared, like that's a yeah. crafty way to go about it. I didn't I wouldn't have thought that that was even a thing.
1: Yeah, I didn't either. So and I had seen like there's a lot of like boats for free. Like there's like a website and it's called like, I don't even know if it's called like freeboat.org or something. (laughs) something And it's like people literally give away boats that are like pretty tore up because who's going to buy it. Nobody even buys boats anymore, hardly. And then, you know, I mean, if it's tore up, it's been in their driveway. It's been on the, at the slip for God knows how many years on use. It's like, oh, it needs this. It needs that. They're, they're, they're big, big projects. And we were actually looking at that like, oh, let's do a project. But years down the line, and that's where we came across looking up boats for sale. And that's when I found this guy who sells like that. And I was like, that's what we want to do. We've already met our group. They're awesome. There's a couple from the UK. The husband works for like British Airways. He's already like, if you ever want to fly, I'm your guy. Like we got the buddy pass, and I'm like, heck yeah, man! So
0: <laughs> when like, oh, we're flying again, we
1: You told the wrong people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so, right away.
1: It's awesome people. Like they're just like they're all like us, and um, <laughs> so it's like we're we look forward to share to sharing time with them on the boat, much less sharing. You know the boat itself, so I'm like, this is great, new friends.
0: <laughs> yeah, you yeah. got boat friends now. That's cool. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. We, we boat, we boat together. We, we're sailing friends.
1: Gotta have something to distract you, even if you're like, you know, right now, even if you're not injured, you know, because it's um because it's just a weird time, and if you get too wrapped up in what's going on, and if you find yourself looking at the news or looking, you know. Everybody who's waiting to hear if the races are going to happen on August 29th. Hey, I'm with you. Like I'm injured and it benefits me to not have the races go. If they don't right. go, I stay third. You in finish the series. third. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. But by God, all I want to hear is that they are a go for one. I can't wait to see our athletes who we coach race again. Mm people who are excited. I want this. I want the community to be back together. Like there is nothing more that I want. And then not just together. Cause I know it will be different, especially initially, but just the feeling of racing again. I want that for everybody. And I am on pins and needles myself. But what I can tell you is like, if it's not a go, like you need to just stay with it. Like you need to, and if you need a distraction, get a distraction, go buy a boat. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just get but, a
0: boat, get some sailor friends.
1: But Definitely. You know, I mean, Keep it together, you know, try not to get too anxious and too much anxiety wrapped up into racing gear, your training towards the race as if it's going to happen you know, for those, for those who are, you know, getting excited about it, but at the same time, be ready to, to accept that, like, you know, the training block continues. And that means what I'm bigger, I'm better, I'm stronger, I'm faster. I'm more well-rounded when racing does come back,
0: not more, more time is better.
1: Yeah. Oh, and next week when the races are announced, if they are a go or not, you know, um, do I do I fall off my training and take a week and a half off and then piddle around and decide to get back into it two weeks later? Or do I continue going strong because I know I'm building this monstrous base and I'm leveling up with each three month cycle or whatever, you know,
0: that's absolutely what yeah. And no, I'm, I'm with you on the races. Like, uh, I, my brother gets married that weekend. So the 29th is out for me, but yeah. I'm still, I still want, cause I have a vested interest in the sport succeeding, right. And seeing yeah. people grow and, and get into it. And, you know, just to, it's all, it's all positive, the the growth that can come from these races. So I'm with you on that. So hopefully, but I, I love the message about, you know, keeping things rolling. And if you can't f- finding something else that is going to fill that, that void, um, because I mean, that's all we really got right now, right? Like we have to yeah. figure out what, what, what the hand that we're dealt. Um, well, cool. So I don't want to take your whole day, but um, what are, what, I mean, I guess the goals for you now are kind of just getting healthy or how's that process kind of working?
1: Yeah. The I'm goal like, as is far the as like, hold. my, my mindset now it's funny. Cause it's like, I am not ready to throw in the towel for 2020, no matter what, like I just wait to me, it's wait and see. You never know. And, um, uh, So is my mindset like dead on racing the series? No, 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 no. This injury is for real. I realized that a month and a half or two months ago. Now I'm like, oh, shoot, this is no joke, right? So now that I realize what I'm I'm dealing with, I definitely know that jumping into racing when my body's not ready for it or if I haven't trained or if I'm still injured is a no-go. That's a no-go zone. Um, So I'm not even tempted to do that but I'm not saying my, my season's over. I'm looking ahead. And I mean, if I would toe the line, even out of shape, if I'm a hundred percent healthy and I have runs to prove it, like if it's like, Oh yeah, I've put in, you know, a good, good few weeks and my body's completely healthy and there's no pain at all left, which I, you know, I, I, that's, that's, it's far away. So I would toe the line out of shape and just tell people, Hey, I'm not myself. I'm not a hundred percent. I haven't been training for five months. Like this is where I'm at, but you know, it would be like, I think about the series and I think about my placing and I go, well, even out of shape could, if I could just run it like a long run, could I get, you know, top, 10 in certain races I think I could you know depending Mm -hmm. on the race and depending on who's going because now with COVID there's a lot like there could be less competition um, thinking in terms of that so it's definitely like let's see what happens when I get there Uh, but the one I'm looking ahead to is probably San Luis Obispo which is in November so scheduled mid-November now is a series race in slow and it pretty much means I drop this series because I would drop the points in whatever in West Virginia and I drop Seattle. And then that means I would not be competitive in points by the time slow rolls around, but to be able to race again, healthy. Cool. That sounds great. yeah, Yeah. That's where I'm at. Not, not ready to throw in the towel, but I'm also being realistic about it. And I want no pain. I want to be healthy. I don't want to run. Um, I care so much more about longevity, being able to run at the playground with my kids and run around the park and run, you know, forever and run for my sanity and for my health and to be at the top of a mountain again. Than I do at all for racing. I could never race again in my life and be fine with it as long as I'm able to run.
0: <laughs> right. It's it's funny how that perspective changes, right? Because it's always like competition, competition, competition. And then when it's taken away, when it's all taken away, you're like I just want it for myself. Like I do this for like doing it for yourself at, at the end of the day, no matter what. So.
1: And that's funny because people tell me, oh, good. You, you got injured at the right time. And I'm like, well, uh, did I? You know, yeah, it's hard right, to hear that. Exactly. I don't think anybody wants to hear that when they're injured. But I think to myself, like, this is the perfect time. Like, my mom isn't even leaving the house right now. I literally could go to Mount Baldy every day and just, like, have a free-for-all in the mountains. Because she'd be like, yeah, sure, go. I'm here. I'm like, oh, man, right, this is yeah. time for me to train. This is the time for me to, like, do whatever I want. But the kids don't even have school. And I have, like, my mom here. And she's down to do anything. But what am I doing? I'm sitting at my house and, you know, following Mark on the bike for a eight mile run. It's like,
0: the because it's a stressful time, right? Like, even with not much going on, like, like there is just external stress from just the world. So it would be nice to, to be able to run up mountain. <laughs>
1: yeah, right. it'll come. It'll come. I know it it'll will. Come.
0: Cool. And we'll be laughing
1: We're, about this. <laughs>
0: yeah. And we'll be we'll like, like, remember go. when you thought you weren't going to run again? And yeah.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: um, cool. Where oh, can people find I, you guys in terms of socials and everything? I,
1: on um, Instagram, I'm o- at OCR mommy. Cool. Um,
0: yeah, that's it. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. I'll, I'll make sure to link to the show notes and I'll link to the coaching website for you guys and everything like that too. So they know awesome. where, to, where to find you. Cool. Well, um, we're signing off here. I'm going to press stop and we'll stay on the recording piece where we were in, at the start. So, but that's it for us. So I, uh, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you.